0: All right. Hello and welcome to From A to Xenon. I'm Jahan. I'm Avery. And this is our Halloween episode, which also falls on a very special occasion. This month is the 25th anniversary of Disney Channel Original Movies, including, or especially, the one we chose to watch.
1: Has it been that long? Have DCOMs been in our world for 25 years, truly? 25 years. And... That means they started after I was born,
0: <laughs> which is rude. <laughs> I mean, I am but a sprightly twenty-four, so I don't know a time without decomps. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, wow, well. but yeah, decomps have been around most of our life, either way, and that's pretty amazing.
1: Wow, I love that. They're
0: still being made. I love that for them. I love that for us. But. Curiously, the very first DCOM, and we say DCOM, we mean Disney Channel Original Movies, which means they had made Disney Channel premiere movies prior to that. Mm-hmm. There is such a slight difference. I couldn't tell you why they changed the name. But the first one to be considered a Disney Channel Original Movie was Under Wraps, a Halloween movie. And I think it's pretty wild that their first movie was a Halloween movie. But that is what we are talking about today. Under Wraps. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, so the movie opens first with some fun stop motion credits.
1: Can I just say I thoroughly enjoyed the <laughs> opening credits of this film. So much fun. And I love the music. Um, then, yeah. You guys spent
0: some time on this. This doesn't feel like something they get like stop motion. That's so cute. Um, yeah. It doesn't feel like something that gets a lot of time or attention on a decom normally. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we immediately <laughs> are in a fake movie, a movie within a movie, um, a monster film, And we see a family being attacked by a terrifying looking creature that we will learn is called Warthead. Um, We jump to the theater where we meet two boys who are screaming. One of them is named Gilbert. His friend calls him a wuss. The other boy is thriving. This is our lead. This is Marshall. He
1: loves horror movies and his friend Gilbert does not. Yes. Gilbert is so frightened that like he leaves his seat. (laughs) He's like, I got to get out out of here. And Gilbert waits for Marshall outside. Marshall's clearly annoyed that, you know, Gilbert is a chicken. He's a wuss (laughs) that he runs out of every single thing. And Gilbert bless his heart. is like, listen, he likes movies, like the sound of music. And I was like, my kid like he i literally typed my boy (laughs) (laughs) he was like "This kind of music is my it's my pace and i was like
0: yes (laughs) i will say that bit went on much longer than i thought it would he was like it's got singing and dancing and nazis and i was like okay gilbert well maybe we we cut it off but then he kept going he was like Lisa, the older, do- oldest daughter what a babe <laughs> even in those play clothes
1: made out of curtains Gilbert this is a children's movie and you are a child but let this be a premonition that there are some like very like like edgy jokes in here and I was like oh this is definitely the 90s because this would not swing
0: <laughs> it's definitely the 90s and also I wish those jokes weren't it <laughs> They made me uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) Yikes. So uh, the boys are walking home from the movie theater late at night. Um, They're walking home talking about like not dressing up for Halloween. But as they're talking, there is a car that like nearly rams into these children and they're like, oh, it's Mr. Kubot. And Marshall's like, he always drives like that. Like, this man almost hit these children. And I was like, dear lord.
0: was scary? Um he's like the old man in the neighborhood that there's all these like legends about. Like, uh and Marshall's like, Gilbert, aren't you his paper boy? Don't you have to interact with him? And Gilbert's like, Well, I haven't collected in two years. He's like that kid Patrick, he blew up Kubat's mailbox and no one ever heard from him again. And I, there are a lot of jokes in this movie that really got me, and this is one of them. Because Marshall's like, that's because he moved to Toronto. And Gilbert's like, oh, really? He never writes. <laughs> he thought this boy was dead. <laughs> he
1: thought Patrick
0: was a goddamn.
1: <laughs> So in this scene, in this moment, Marshall decides, you know, it's time for Gilbert to go and collect his money. Like he hasn't collected in two years. Like they mm-hmm. should go and collect his money. Mm-hmm. So they go to the door. Gilbert is terrified. They go to the front porch. And this light, this bright light blinds them. So you like see kind of like, do we see Kubat's like full face or like a? I see. I feel like we saw like a part of his face. We saw his face a okay. little bit, yeah. Okay, we see we see his face, and rather than giving these kids the money, like, he doesn't even talk. Rather, he has this dog on a chain, this, like, Rottweiler put bull on a chain, and six the dog on the kids! And the kids go, like, off the porch, screaming back to Marshall's house.
0: And he laughs as it happens, and I was like... I thought this was going to be like misunderstand, a misunderstood old man like in um, The Sandlot or some shit. No, he's just a mean old man. He's also... My immediate reaction was, that guy's not that old.
1: Oh yeah, he's not that old at all.
0: And they talk about him like old Mr. Kuba and I was like, that's some middle-aged man. <laughs> they run home to Marshall's house where we see our girl, a decom mom. Hey, <laughs> How many parents are there in this movie, Avery, as always? One. Yeah, it's a decom. You're only going to get one parent. <laughs> um, but she does have someone else over, her current boyfriend, Ted, and uh, Marshall is not thrilled about that. And this this man is just trying to be very nice to him and Marshall's not having it. And so Marshall goes up to his room. He lives in the attic decorated with
1: all these horror movie things. And I was like, it seems like the scariest bedroom a child could have. That room was terrifying. Like, I couldn't imagine waking up in that room. Like, I would give myself a heart attack every morning.
0: Yeah, if you have, like, zombie figurines and shit, like, like life-size, right? Like, he has, like, busts of, like, werewolves and shit. I would lose my fucking mind. <laughs> I would just be like, why is this happening? <laughs> like, the thing is, you see shadows in dark, in dark rooms no matter what. Imagine being in an attic with all of those? No, thank you. Um... And the mom just tries to like convince him a little bit. She's like, "Don't you want, like? He's a really nice guy. Your father and I have been divorced a long time. This boy does not want to get to know Ted. He turns down ice cream. What we learned pretty quickly is that Marshall is not about his mom's new boyfriend, who seems to be a lovely gentleman.
1: <laughs> yes, I should say a tall, kindly man, <laughs> a sweetheart.
0: Like that man has only ever played. <laughs> um, we go to school." It's been a week or so, and Mr. Kubat's dead. (laughs) What? He died fast. (laughs) Truly, the next scene, we just saw this man. They don't even tell us time has passed. And they're like, Mr. Kubat's dead.
1: (laughs) Yes. And we find out from a new character who we haven't met yet. This is a girl. Took us a long time for them to drop her name. (laughs) It took like half, another 15
0: minutes for us to learn her name is Amy, but we'll just tell you her name is Amy. Yes!
1: So Amy comes up to Gilbert and Marsha at the table telling them that Kubat is dead. He died a couple days ago making pancakes. <laughs> and Gilbert thinks that it's the pancakes that kill him. Amy's like, no, you because He died of a heart attack.
0: <laughs> I love Gilbert every Gilbert line I was like yes Gilbert go off what a, he was like what a way to go killed my pancake batter I was like there's no brain in that sweet head of yours
1: but the girl she's so like she's so to the point because she's like it happens old people die hey can I have your peaches like she's so like matter of fact he's
0: clearly supposed to be like that like 90s archetype of, like, the bruiser of a girl where she's, like, kind of a Spinelli uh, or whatever, right? And she does a great job at that, honestly. She's uh, adorable.
1: (laughs) Yes. And she knows all the scoop about Mr. Kubot. Like, she knows that, apparently, he used to work in a museum in New York, and so he has all this Mm -hmm. weird stuff and her mom is, like, a realtor, or, like, her mom's Mm -hmm. company is trying to sell the house. right? And so... Another great Gilbert line is, you know, he has all this weird stuff. And Marshall's like, your mom also has weird stuff. I mean, Marshall tells Gilbert, like, your mom has weird stuff. And Gilbert's like, you know, she, she collects dolls. (laughs) and they're like she brought them to the movies.
0: yeah I will say of all the characters who can't catch a break is Gilbert's mom (laughs) they will
1: throw a joke that woman's way anytime she she brought the dolls to the movies and she bought them popcorn and Gilbert's like it was just one time
0: (laughs) at that moment I was like they are too mean to my boy Gilbert even if someone's mom is weird you gotta leave it alone yeah
1: (laughs) But nevertheless, this sparks the idea that the kids should go to Mr. Kubot's house because somebody said, I forgot who.
0: Just some random kid named Mike was like, Mike Caswell snuck over and saw a coffin in the basement. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You gotta see this coffin.
1: <laughs> so Marsha's like, I don't believe it. And the girl's like, there's only one way to find out. Like, we gotta go. <laughs>
0: Gilbert tries to back out the night of they come to pick him up and he's like, you know, my mom, she's so strict. And they're like, Mrs. Anderson. And again, the writing of this, this mother's voice is so weird because she goes, call me Esmeralda. And Amy's like, her name's not Esmeralda. And Gilbert's like, she's role playing. Go with it. <laughs> so they, they, but they go to Mr. Kubat's house. And Gilbert is done. He's like, I admit it. I am a chicken. I can deal with it. I have no pride. <laughs> Truly every Gilbert line, I was like, yes, speak on it. <laughs> um, but he is not interested in breaking into a dead guy's house on a school night. Mm-hmm. But they agree they'll be back at his mom, back, have him back to his mom by 830. He's trying to be like, I'll be the lookout guy. And they're like, the lookout guy's always first to go. So they decide to like break in through the basement window. They push on the basement window and push super, super hard, and Gilbert falls in. Uh, they hold on to him by his feet, so he's just hanging into the basement. They, like, ask him what he sees. He's telling them there's a few paintings, a mirror, and then he, like, starts screaming and takes off. Booking it. <laughs> yeah, he he just, Gilbert, have you considered track? Track and field. <laughs> So the friends are like, Gilbert, what did you see? Why are you freaking out? Uh, He's like, is this what a heart attack feels like? (laughs) And he realizes he dropped his glasses in the basement, but he is not going back. They can't make him. And they're like, what did you see? Like, what was in the basement? And he said, there was a coffin. It was a big, weird coffin. And they're like, oh, cool. He's like, yeah, especially the hand sticking out of it. And everyone's like, oh, Mr. Kubat must have killed someone. (laughs) And so Gilbert's done, though. He's like, I saw the coffin. I don't need my glasses. I do not need the gift of sight. uh," And they, they, like, immediately are like, okay, we'll just tell your mom you broke into a dead guy's house and left your glasses there. And I was just like, stop coercing
1: our boy. Yeah, like, Amy at this point is straight up blackmailing this kid. And I'm not about it. Like, poor Gilbert. I wish he had kinder friends. (laughs) He deserves kinder friends. He is a star. (laughs) and so they're like oh we're gonna go back and amy's mom she's like oh we could go back my mom has the key and gilbert's like okay if your mom had the key then why the fuck no he didn't say that but it's like <laughs> why did we have to like why did we have to break in and amy's like well where's the fun in that
0: amy you dropped this boy upside down into the basement and you think that was fun that was fun for you was it fun for gilbert writes <laughs> They head back to the cla- uh, the house. We see that the hand in the coffin has started to glow. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? And it starts to, like, do a little wiggle wiggle. hmm mm-hmm. They get to the house. Gilbert refuses to go into the basement. He's like, I'll stay up here. Honestly, his eyesight is starting to improve. <laughs> and at this moment, as they, as Marshall and Amy head into the basement, I was just like, why are there weird flirty vibes, considering they are toddlers? Like, At this moment, I started to be like, yo,
1: y'all are eight. (laughs) They're middle schoolers. They go to Roosevelt Junior High.
0: (laughs) They're a young middle school. (laughs) But yes, they're like sixth grade dance flirting, which means they're talking to each other. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't care for it. (laughs) A boy-girl party in my decom. But they're heading into the basement and they find the empty sarcophagus. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Gilbert is upstairs and he is regretting staying alone cuz he keeps hearing things. He sees a door start to open and he like backs away and backs into them at the other door and he thought he was like why why were you guys making those? He thought they were teasing him.
1: Mhm. Mhm. However, a mummy hand punches through the door. <laughs> Yo. I would have been frightened too because <laughs> That mummy goes chasing them around the house, like all through the house. And at some point, the kids like push all the furniture and push all these things up against the door. And they're like, no one's going to be able to like break through there. This mummy like breaks in. And I'm like, oh shoot, (laughs) these poor children.
0: He is super strong. God, yeah, I'm surprised none of them like, like I would have peeped myself. I'll be honest. (laughs) That they didn't. Strong young bladders.
1: (laughs) And so this mummy corners them, but this mummy also goes and turns his head and sees a toilet and decides that he has to go to the bathroom. What?
0: I have some questions, but it does lead to a perfect line from Gilbert, which is, man, that mummy had to go.
1: (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) are mummies mummified? Like, is it their whole part that their body has no fluids? But okay, I digress. Wow.
0: Okay, so once again, we are women in STEM, and we are noticing some critical
1: inconsistencies in the film. Listen, I watched 1999's The Mummy. I know what they're supposed to look like.
0: (laughs) We do, in this household, and by this household, I mean this podcast, (laughs) love The Mummy 1999. Iconic. Rachel Vice, if you're listening call me <laughs> Um anyway, I rewatched your 2008 film definitely maybe last week, but that doesn't matter. Rachel vines are you listening? <laughs> um So, um they're like, "Okay, we got to run while the mummy's in the bathroom." Gilbert yeah. is too slow and the mummy catches him, and this is terrifying. The yes. mummy like picks him up and holds him up above his head. And it's like so scary, but why is he holding him up? To give him his glasses back.
1: It's so sweet. And Gilbert's like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) He puts Gilbert down and like Mm -hmm. Marshall tries to like step in front of Gilbert and is like, yo, on the count of three, like we're going to book it. But the mummy grabs Marshall's hand and Marshall's like watch goes off because I think it's like the Mm -hmm. 830 alarm that they like Mm -hmm. need to make it home. And the mummy gets so frightened by the alarm. (laughs) and Marshall's like hey like it's okay and like tries to show him what the watch can do and Amy's like yo he's not trying to buy it
0: (laughs) it's so funny he's like it has a calendar a stopwatch you can program an appointment
1: (laughs) I died but yes this mummy like touches Amy's hair and like we just find out that he's a little frightened little thing and Marshall's insisting that they should keep him And they're like, okay, he's like, we should keep them because, like, otherwise they're going to, like, experiment on him and, like, put him in formaldehyde. Like, we need to take care of him. And my
0: immediate reaction was extreme E.T. vibes. And then Marshall says, they're going to cut him open and dissect him. And they're like, they will? And he's like, of course, didn't you see E.T.? So I was like, oh, myself and this movie are on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they realize they've got to go. They all have to go home. It's a school night. So they're like, okay, mummy, stay here. You'll be safe here. They're gonna lock him in the house. And the mummy kind of groans and it kind of sounds like, okay. And they realize that like Marshall's like, I think he understands me. He and the mummy are starting to understand each other. And they're like, how do you know he understands me? He's like, I just know. And Gilbert also gives him this cute little thanks for finding my glasses thumbs up and the mummy gets one back and the kids look so cute and excited about the thumbs up. (laughs) The next day, we're at school and Amy's like, did you tell your mom? What about your mom's new boyfriend? He's a big guy. (laughs) I don't know why. She's like, a tall man could help us. But obviously that's the last thing Marshall wants. And Gilbert didn't tell his mom because she was having a tea party and he didn't want to interrupt. But like Amy is like, pretty insistent they should, like, tell the cops or animal control or somebody. And Marshall is like, no way. He's ours. We found him. We're going to keep him.
1: (laughs) So this is not a pet. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this scene that I... You know the scene I'm about to bring up. (laughs) Let's talk about that in the midst of this conversation, another, like, random middle school kid named Todd approaches Amy at her locker and Amy's like, beat it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, but, like, he's still trying to talk to her. And she goes, don't make me hurt you, Todd. And Todd just is like, okay, and walks away. <laughs> and she tells the boy, she tells Gilbert and Marshall, like, oh, he has a crush on me. And they're like, what's wrong with that? Like, why is that a bad thing? And she goes... He saw an he saw that Olsen movie twice. <gasps> How could you respect a guy like that? And I was like, <laughs>
0: the disrespect. Truly, I type, Amy. I hate you. I respect you, Todd. You're a prince. <laughs> to come for Avery's
1: vibe in this way, <laughs> to come for my brand, my childhood. <laughs> I was offended. <laughs>
0: Avery did, I think we've said this on prior episodes, but Avery did run a Mary Kate and Ashley viewing society in our high school freshman year.
1: Yes. And revived it back senior year.
0: <laughs> oh, you did bring it. Honestly, it was we we watched more movies senior year than we did freshman year. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> um a- Amy <laughs> breaks Todd's little heart and then moves on with her day. And uh Marshall's like worried about. The mummy. He's like, Amy, do you think he'll be okay? Maybe we should skip school and go take care of him. Mm-hmm. And Amy says a line that made me realize what this movie felt like to me. She's like, Marshall, he's a monster. Monsters don't need babysitters. And I was like, that is a Bailey School Kids book ass line. Like, you know those Bailey School Kids books you'd get from the Scholastic mm. book orders? They had all had titles like, Vampires Don't Whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Vampires yeah but monsters don't need babysitters that is a bailey school kids line and that's what this movie feels like it feels like a grown-up uh slightly older because of the jokes bailey school kids book and that's also what marshall looks like that little boy looks like an illustration from a bailey school kids book his eyes are so wide (laughs) Mm.
1: and i want to also point i want to share because there's a lot of like you're getting a lot of context clues like in this scene because you do see like the Halloween dance poster in the background, like the dance is coming up. It's Halloween season, which all ties into like what is about to come.
0: Yeah. And earlier Gilbert and Marshall did talk about how they weren't going to dress up for Halloween. We know tis the season. Yeah. Amy is now actually the least sure. It's not it's not even Gilbert. She's like, you know, he could be dangerous. And Marshall's like, if he was going to eat us, he would have done it yesterday. <laughs> Or maybe that was Gilbert. I don't know. And then they have this little debate where it's like, mummies don't eat people. No, that's the three of them are like, no, that's zombies. Zombies eat people. Or zombies eat your brains. Well, who cuts off your head? And they're just talking about all these different monsters. And Amy's like, OK, well, what we know is that mummies are big and strong and completely reek. Yeah. And then they decide that what they need is actually more information. And we have the perfect source for that.
1: Bruce! <laughs>
0: Bruce. It turns out Marshall's best friend outside of these two is a young man who runs... What kind of a store would you call
1: this, Avery? I was trying to categorize it too. I was like, I literally go... They go to Bruce's. A local guy who owns the creepy... Store. Yeah, it's unclear because it's like he does he's learned tarot
0: and like psychic readings, but it's also like a horror supply store. Like it's where Marshall gets all of his decor for his bedroom, like the zombie stuff. But it's also like so it's like half occult, but half like fake horror. Yeah. I don't know how he stays in business. Who's buying that?
1: It was hard to describe it because it wasn't like a comic book or like graphic novel or like that kind of store. It felt very seasonal. So I was like, again, you're busy in October, but what about the other like 11 months of it?
0: <laughs> we worry about you, Bruce. It's just like, how do you support yourself? Yes. But Bruce is like, he does have the vibe of like that comic book store owner that is like friends with the kid. Yeah. Um, and he comes out when, when uh, they enter the store, he comes out faking his death and he's like got a fake knife in his back and Marshall is unimpressed because they clearly do this kind of shit all the time. But he has a book on mummies, and he's ready to tell them all about it and we quickly learn a mummy can only come back to life if the sarcophagus is disturbed, and they're like, "Is that the only way?" Well, it turns out every year during the festival of the dead, the spirit um something with the full moon, the spirit is released to walk the earth, but if he does not return to his tomb by midnight, the night of the festival of the dead, which they clarify is Halloween, which is Interesting, because I suspect the ancient Egyptians did not observe the Halloween that they're observing here. But you know what? We'll go with it. Uh, (laughs) And if he does not return to his tomb by midnight, he will dissolve into a pillar of dust and his soul will be lost forever. That's not great. Yeah. And also Bruce does like hit a button that turns on all this lightning and howling noise and the kids like freak out. He was like, oh, sorry, I just use that when the spirits aren't, like, <laughs> attending my psychic readings. <laughs> but yes, and then they see in the book the symbol of the eye of Ra, which was uh, the Egyptian sun god, and mm-hmm. it was on the top of the coffin. Mm-hmm. So they're, like, putting some pieces together here and also getting a
1: lot of important exposition on mummies. <laughs> I know, I know. So the kids decide, like, we need to go back to the house. Like, we need to go check on the mummy. We get such a character (laughs) oh my god i know we get such a character because we're in front of mr dead man kubat's house and this random kid comes up to them and goes want to see me pick my scab (laughs)
0: he's a toddler why is this toddler out out and about alone and bleeding.
1: Yes, like it's clearly like a kindergarten or first grade kid. Like this kid cannot mm-hmm. be older than like kindergarten. And and <laughs> Adam just messaged us to let us know that this
0: was his favorite character in the film and listen, I understand. For me it's hard to compete with Gilbert, but our boy Leonard he and, had his moment.
1: And, and Amy's like, go away with your blanket. And he's like, it's not a blanket, it's a rag. In case I need to wipe something, like this <laughs>
0: boy like is speaking like he has a stuffed nose. He's like, in case I gotta wipe something up. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on with this child?
1: Just his energy is just like pure chaos like I don't know but the exchange is great because Amy's like yeah and this isn't a bra it's a bulletproof vest and Gilbert's like you're wearing a bra like so much stuff is happening (laughs) in this exchange
0: and I was truly like why is this exchange in here why is this alien of a child suddenly in the film (laughs) and it's to tell them a yellow truck came and took everything away already (laughs) and then we find out Amy's mom is currently showing the house. So everything's been cleared out. The coffin's gone. And we're like, wait, if the coffin's gone, where is the mummy?" And we find out even if they don't, because he is at the dairy freeze. Well, wait, <laughs> wait,
1: wait, wait, oh, sorry. Go we ahead. got, we got a couple of things. Oh, I skipped around. Well, one, I was just saying a couple of information. One that you're right. The house is cleared. Mom says that they took, Old Man Kubot stuff because it was impounded because he needed to pay for his back taxes. <laughs> I did forget that, okay. Yeah, that he needed to pay back taxes and says that there was nothing in the basement but a few boxes. And so, oh. yeah. So everything that was like once there the night before or like when they saw the mummy, completely gone. Okay, okay.
0: So where is the mummy? He's at the berry freeze. He is walking through a drive through and- it's an incredible gag. He walks through a drive through and he hears a voice talking and he just does his moans and groans. And the girl at the uh, the working the, at, the, at the fast food place is like, Oh, okay. And would you like fries with that? Perfect joke. And he keeps going and she's like, Oh, that'll be 374 which made me say, Wow, prices, inflation. Look at what's happened to America. <laughs> 374 for the jumbo cheeseburger and fries and the jumbo orange soda. Anyway, he does take the orange soda and go on his way. He seems to love orange soda. And this moment felt very teen witch to me. Um, Mm. Very, very silly, uh, slapsticky. And I did, it was one of my favorite parts of the movie when it would kind of like be like, just doing the silliest things with the mummy. It had a lot of fun with him, I think. He wanders to the park where he runs into a child and his mother.
1: And the kid is like, look at that ugly man. (laughs) And the woman... The mother, like, never sees the man because, like, her back is facing away from him. But she's like, honey, we've talked about this. Like, some people are just, like, born. <laughs> some people are just born special. Yes. The kid goes,
0: well, this guy is really special. <laughs> Why are they
1: doing my boy the mummy this way? Yeah, it's just, it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a funny, it's a funny joke or bit. But then our mummy also across the, from across the street, like sees the hospital and sees like someone wearing a neck, bra- a wheelchair and a neck brace, like going out and kind of like wrapped in a cast. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, my people. <laughs> And decides to, you know, go roam the hospital. Mm -hmm. His bandages get caught in the automated doors. (laughs) He's like trying to ring, I guess, like the front desk bell. And the lady again, who like is on the phone, like never sees him. And is kind of like, fill out the paperwork. Like I'm too busy for you. But there's like a guy in scrubs, which we like presume to be a doctor, sees like the bandages Mm -hmm. and kind of starts to like pull at it a little bit. They see the mummy and presume that he's a burn victim.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So they're like, doctor, I've got our burn victim. And they're like, oh, no, it looks like he's tried to treat himself. Meanwhile, he's like super embarrassed because he realized his like he was unraveling. He like covers up his butt, even though it's not showing. It's just like he's like, oh, no. So they put him on the gurney because they think he's the burn victim. And they're like, they can't get a heartbeat or a pulse. They are ignoring that he is awake and interacting. (laughs) They decide he's a code blue and they like they defibrillate him. And he, like, catches fire. He's freaking out. He, he like, is running away. Also, before we leave the hospital, there is this moment where he sees someone giving their relative flowers. And he's, like, really touched by that. It's so oh. sweet. He sees someone comforting someone with flowers. Um, but, yes. So the kids are still looking for him now that they realize he's gone. Mm-hmm. They're, like, biking around looking. And they're, like, we'll probably never see him again. And then he comes sprinting out of the hospital. <laughs> And again, another like really silly lengthy visual gag that I loved is Marshall's like, where have you been? And the mummy recounts his entire day in grunts. He's like, it's like, oh, and you see him doing the automatic door and then the defibrillation. And it's like a really long time of just grunts. And then Marshall goes, you know the scary thing is? I understood every bit of (laughs) that. I just I love that they use their time the movie's time to have silly fun
1: yeah so in this moment they decide to go to Marshall's house Marshall's like Ted's always around (laughs) so mom will be used to big clunky men stomping around the place and I was like yo why are we shading Ted so much listen we hate Ted (laughs) but Ted is a nice guy like (laughs) so they go to Marshall's house they run upstairs with the mummy before the mom can see but they're making such a ruckus like the mom is like what is going on so she goes upstairs and Marshall tries to come up with a lie that like Amy's trying to teach them what like tapped clog dancing clogging because again it turns out the mom wasn't
0: expecting big clunky steps and immediately he was like, yo, what's this loud noise?
1: Yeah, and Marshall's like, well, show her, Amy. And Amy's like, what? <laughs> like, And she's like, show her so that she can get out of here. So like, Amy has to like pretend to clog. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the mummy is like standing right behind the mom. And when she turns around, like she screams because she's frightened by it. But she's like, oh, like this is new. Like this is part of your new monster decor. Like <laughs> just assumes that it's something for his room. And it's just kind of like weirdly staring at it, but it's just going along with it. And it's like, oh yeah. And clean your room because it stinks being that the mummy stinks.
0: <laughs> yeah. We do seem to understand that the mummy smells terrible. They spray some cologne on him to try and make him smell less, uh, less bad. And then we get one of the most shocking lines I have ever heard in a DCOM, I would say. <laughs> because Marshall's like, we need something. To, somebody's like, we need something to call him. And Amy's like, let's call him Mummy." And Marshall's like, what about Harold? He kind of looks like my uncle Harold. And Amy says, your aunt must want to split a vein. <laughs> what, what, what the fuck? <laughs> How did I miss this? <laughs> yeah, i just like and your aunt still wants to be alive (laughs) day um anyway we're quickly back to focusing on Harold we'll call him Harold going forward because he's trying to eat Marshall's goldfish oh
1: god
0: they make him spit it out and then Harold hears all by myself on the radio and he loves it he's blasting it he's holding the boombox up too high so they can't stop him from listening to it (laughs) and then we cut out to a shot of the house as the song is just blasting. And I was like, why is this here? It's so silly. I loved it. (laughs) Tell me why we are now halfway into the movie and they're introducing villains. Right? We are fully 45 minutes into the movie and they're like, it's time to introduce the conflict.
1: (laughs) What is our conflict, Jahan? What's happening? There is a man... Uh
0: an elder man who is uh his he and his henchmen are opening the sarcophagus and mm-hmm. it's empty mm-hmm. and they have clearly stolen it for sale and uh why is it empty? <laughs> so they are now trying to find the the mummy, which they believe like must have been taken by like the realist the impound or the real estate company or something mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so the kids have left Marshall and Harold alone. Uh, Gilbert and Amy have gone home, and Marshall and Harold are watching Mom and Ted have a romantic goodbye out the window. And Marshall is talking Harold's ear off. I'll be honest; <laughs> he's like he has this like sad monologue about like he he's just clearly having time adjusting a hard time adjusting yeah. with the divorce and this step possible step figure in his life. And Harold remembers what he learned earlier and he pulls a house plant out of its pot to give it to him like he saw in the hospital. Which was... So Harold is number one sweetie. <laughs> so these two are really clearly getting close and they understand each other and we just keep having moments that reinforce that. Marshall goes to bed. Harold is a mummy. I guess he doesn't need to sleep. So he starts playing with a slingshot type thing. Harold simply cannot stay put. <laughs> Because he shoots the slingshot out the window and is like, oh, I guess I gotta follow that. <laughs> he ends up chasing a dog who takes it, ends up on a skateboard at one point, and then he sees a bus ad with the eye of Ra on
1: it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's an ad for, I think, like an upcoming exhibit or a current exhibit at the museum. And so Harold decides to go chase after the bus. And so. Marshall wakes up and realizes, oh, shoot, Harold's called. (laughs) Tell me this, Avery. It's
0: 1997. You wake up in the middle of the night. Your mommy's gone. How are you going to contact your friends in the middle of the night without waking up them? Oh, uh, their families. Ooh. Ooh. What did Marshall do? I don't know. But anyway, all three kids are on their bikes (laughs) in the middle of the night. (laughs)
1: That is a great question. I guess. I don't know.
0: Because wouldn't the phone have rung and woken up their
1: families? I'm presuming, though, that, like, he must have, like, snuck out. He must have snuck out of his house. Oh. Probably was at the windowsill of, like, Gilbert's, like, Gilbert, Gilbert,
0: like, wake up. Okay, okay, okay. I see. See, you're more in touch with your Dawson's Creek side than I am. I'm here. (laughs) I'm here in... Twenty twenty two, forgetting how to be a child of the nineties. <laughs>
1: I have never watched Dawson's Creek, but okay.
0: But you know what I mean.
1: I the the at the window. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um. So yes, all three kids on their bikes looking for Harold. Amy's clearly upset. Like, how could you have lost him? But they do see a banner in front of the museum called.
0: Wait, 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 wait. We're skipping over. We're skipping over an important moment, which is another incredibly inappropriate
1: exchange. Oh, shoot. Okay, go.
0: Amy is making fun of Gilbert's pajamas. He's in a cute PJ set. And he's like, hey, what's so funny? You have pajamas too, don't you? And she's like, I don't wear pajamas. I sleep in the nude. Why is this child? I don't know. Anyway, Gilbert crashes into a mailbox. (laughs) And she's like... grow up or some shit and i'm like you're asking the boy to grow up maybe you should grow back down (laughs) whoa (laughs) the adultification of amy in this movie i don't approve
1: (laughs) yeah i mean we haven't even gotten to like we're about to get there but i feel like jokes are coming that i was just like this is too much (laughs) i was shaken by that
0: (laughs) anyway but yes as avery was saying they see a sign they they i guess they Happened to bike past the museum. They see the banner and Marshall's like, that must be where he went. Yeah. Feels like a stretch, but you know, Marshall is intuiting things about his bestie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh.
1: They see Harold at the museum Mm -hmm. and he's like looking longfully or longingly like at all the artifacts, particularly like at this other sarcophagus that is there. Mm -hmm. And what is this? Like a... Like a long lost, what we think is like they, a long well, lost love. Well, they realize,
0: so they're reading what, the, they're reading what he's looking at. And they're like, oh, he, the queen was buried with a high priest who was sworn to, him, is sworn to her. And they're like, Harold must be the high priest. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like, Harold's kind of like confirming this, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And then they keep reading. It's like, which means he was celibate. <laughs> Avery, is this what you were talking about?
1: Yeah. Hey, Gilbert's like, what does celibate mean? And Amy's like, no chicks. <laughs> what?
0: I don't know why this is in
1: here. <laughs> why is this in here? <laughs> and
0: uh, Gilbert's like, I don't think I could do it, which was very funny. to me. <laughs> And Amy's like, I don't think you'll have to worry. <laughs> They're so mean to my boy. <laughs> but then this is when we get to see that something else was going on because he opens the sarcophagus and looks at this other mummy. Mm-hmm.
1: It's clearly a woman mummy. If you couldn't tell by the eyeshadow on her eyes, <laughs> the blue eyeshadow on her eyes.
0: <laughs> it's so silly. One of them's like, maybe he wasn't so celibate after
1: all. <laughs> Excuse you.
0: <laughs> you just learned that word. It's truly like putting it in a sentence, <laughs> using it in a sentence immediately.
1: <laughs> it's it's Uh-oh. too much, y'all. Too much. My mouth was open i was like these kids are t- are too much so
0: he's looking at the necklace the queen is wearing and he pulls some of his bandages aside to reveal they have matching necklaces mm-hmm. and amy sees this and goes they were in love she made a leap there to get us on board <laughs> she was just like oh matching necklaces you know it they were in love but that is what we are supposed to believe this was they were in love and was it a? It seems to have been some sort of a forbidden romance because he was the high priest. No, um, well, this is the mummy. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Ooh, I need to
1: rewatch the mummy. I just again, Rachel Vice, if you're listening. <laughs> this is some Emotep Anaximmon forbidden love. You know I watch this movie every year. I was gonna say me. the <laughs> skill
0: with which you threw out those
1: names. <laughs> I've watched this movie at least once a year since 1999. (laughs) Don't play. I've watched it, I think, twice in my life,
0: if that. Oh, (laughs) no. (laughs) I have some catching up to do. Well, he reads the hieroglyphics, and it's clear that Harold is learning what they already learned from Bruce. Mm -hmm. He's going to turn to dust Mm -hmm. at midnight the next day, which is Halloween. And then police arrive, so they dip. They, they, like, sneak out of the museum. Mm -hmm. The next morning... Marshall is exhausted. Why is he exhausted, Jahan? Because our boy Harold has taste. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only way he could get Harold to stay in the room was to turn on the TV. And your boy Harold was watching Pretty Woman, Ghost. Sleepless in Seattle. Every sappy movie the guy could get his hands on. And I was like, oh, sorry, he loves love, Marshall. What's your issue? <laughs> and Marshall's like, I swear, the guy went through two boxes of tissues and started to use my bedspread. Again, What? what's wrong? What's wrong, Marshall? Show me the problem.
1: <laughs> I'm just dying because you said <laughs> yes he does he does he does he does, he does.
0: <laughs> pretty woman perfect film uh, amy is starting to be unsure that they can pull this off but mm. not because of the things they'll have to do like uh, like finding a sarcophagus in the city i don't know <laughs> but because it's not him she's worried about it's it's marshall he's so attached and if they can't make this work Mm. and i was like omg okay amy the psychologist Mm. and also the caring friend where have these emotions been for gilbert you have all this empathy for marshall where is your empathy for gilbert
1: where's your empathy for todd (laughs) (laughs)
0: let him down easy right Anyway, and Marshall's like, he's just a mummy. It's not like he's a real friend. And I was like, oh, this boy hates his own feelings, which is kind of Marshall's thing the whole movie. Yeah. But he almost immediately opens up. So (laughs) he's learning. He's like, okay, I do care about him. He had a home, a job, a girlfriend he really loved, even though he had to keep it a secret from everyone. And now we're all he's got. He's counting on us. No one's ever counted on me for anything before. So he's like, Really stressed about letting Harold down and it's really sweet. It's a great it's a great little monologue from Marshall. And why are Gilbert and Harold not there for this heart to heart?
1: Yo, they're having a nerf gun fight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we gotta put him somewhere so the other two can have a heart to heart. They're like, Gilbert, we're trying to keep a low profile, can you not? And he's like, he started it. <laughs> and who's back? <laughs> Let
1: I'm <laughs> kindergartner with the blanket.
0: <laughs> I really did not think we were ever going to see this character again. <laughs> but Leonard sees Harold
1: and is like, "Hey, a mummy! Whoa, well, that's a mummy!" Is what I vividly remember from the under wraps like trailer or like promo. Oh,
0: that's so funny. Yeah. I have no recollection of this film. Okay, <laughs> zero, <laughs> but um yeah he's like a mummy Um, and he's like he must belong in that big mummy box that they put in the yellow truck Uh, and they're like wait you saw the truck what else can you tell us about the truck it was very yellow (laughs) Leonard and they're like okay okay we need more did it have any writing on it and he's like yes it did what did it say I don't know I can't read (laughs) (laughs) Leonard is killing it (laughs) So they're like, okay, Leonard sucks. Leonard's useless. Get out of here, Leonard. And he's like, okay, well, if you do see the guy, don't ask him for any ice cream because he won't give it to you. And they put together several pieces that I would not have put together, but they remember that Aaron's ice cream trucks are yellow
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and they have an abandoned factory out by the orchard.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Sorry, all of that information from him having asked a man for ice cream? (laughs)
1: We're we're making some leaps here. We're making some leaps.
0: (laughs) Also, when did this ice cream factory shut down that we're all like, yeah, of course, the yellow trucks would still be out and about. I don't know. (laughs) Um, They're like,
1: how are we going to get Harold all the way to this ice cream factory? They walk into a store literally pulling out change and what little loose money they have. (laughs) And they're like, we need clothes, cheap clothes. (laughs)
0: And what they get is phenomenal. They dress him up in like this seventies disco fit he's got he's got platform boots on he's got a green hat with a feather, a scarf around his face uh some sunglasses suddenly get down tonight is playing <laughs> yep <laughs> they paid big money for the the <laughs> rights and this the licensing in this film.
1: Jahan, I literally put what was the budget <laughs> in my film oh, what. Wow.
0: The music throughout this movie, not just this, first of all, the songs. Yes, we noticed the songs, the movie references. We can talk about this more. But like even the score I was like delighted by. I was like, this feels so fun little score they did for this movie. Yes. So, yeah, a lot of money went to music in this movie. <laughs> um, a lady checks him out because she's it's very funny. They happen to pass a lady who's in a similar like maximalist outfit with a hat and sunglasses and scarf. Mm-hmm. And she lowers her sunglasses to look at him. And then he lowers his and she screams, (laughs) which is so rude. You have no reason to know this is a dead dead mummy. (laughs) But anyway, they bike off. He's on the smallest bike, which is rude. I feel like they could have traded with him and somebody else taken the little girl's bike he rides. And I was truly just typing, when did they teach him how to ride bikes? And then he crashes into a tree.
1: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) We get to the old ice cream factory. And Harold is holding up Marshall so that he can see over the fence. And they're like, how are we going to get across? Can we talk about the way Harold hurls <laughs> hurls Marshall across the fence? And I was like, this poor man has like probably broken his spine. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be clear, yeah, and Amy reacts
0: accordingly. Amy, like, hits the mummy. She's like, you idiot, <laughs> you threw him. To be clear, Marshall asks for a boost, and Harold does not mean to toss him. He just extends his arms, but remember, he has super strength. He throws this boy like a pot- sack of potatoes, <laughs> he- and Marshall's like, he's okay. And then Harold goes, you okay, <laughs> which I think was <laughs> He's like, "What's what I didn't do. <laughs> Harold's like, I'm clean the clear. <laughs> so Marshall goes into the factory alone. And that's when we learn the bad guy is Mr. Kubot. <gasps> what? What's happening here?
1: <laughs> He's alive?
0: He's alive. And um, Harold follows him into the factory. And so like Marshall's like, we got to get out of here right now. Uh, they'll see you. They'll see you. He leaves. He leaves a little bit of his mummy wrapping behind. And Marshall is, like, downloading for the other friends. Or like, he must have da- faked his own death or something mm-hmm. to sell the sarcophagus. And truly, I don't know what's happening at this point. I'm like, I don't know why he would have faked his own death. <laughs> and they're, like, discussing, like, the sar- selling the sarcophagus. And I was like, well, either way, we know it's stolen property because you know where it's not? Egypt. Yup. <laughs> yup. <laughs> Yes, we can point fingers at Mr. Kubot, but we should also point fingers at
1: colonization. And taking away artifacts from countries where they are from. Listen, not the podcast, but we have thoughts.
0: <laughs> hey, you, this podcast can be whatever we want it to be. <laughs> um. So a henchman spots them biking off and is like, Hey, um, I saw some kids messing around here. And Mr. Kubat was like, were they alone? And he's like, you're not going to believe this. but..." And Mr. Kubat holds up the wrapping. So he, they start to put together that the mummy is real and out and about. Yes, yes. So they now know the mummy exists and that's what they want. And meanwhile, the kids realize they need a car. And a car big enough to transport a sarcophagus. Yes. So it's time to go get your boy Bruce from the Halloween carnival.
1: Yes. So they go to the Halloween party slash carnival. Mm -hmm. They go to the party. Marshall's wearing like a monster mask. Gilbert is wearing a boa and sunglasses. And they're like, who are you supposed to be? And he says that he's Dennis Rodman. (laughs) So nice, but also what?
0: Also... If you are going to be a white boy play, dressing up as Dennis Rodman, which is a choice, uh, I think there there's easier ways. Like you couldn't couldn't you like fake spray paint the hair? Didn't you?
1: <laughs> I don't know. As someone who loves the Last Dance documentary and watched it last week uh, for like the third time, I was just like, okay, <laughs> this is interesting. Uh,
0: but no, I I you know like I just I remember the the patterned. The patterned hair. I yes. think that could have been an easier uh, an easier costume. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Gilbert, we had notes.
1: <laughs> yes. And Amy, they're like, Amy, you're not even dressed up. And she puts these like earbuffs with buns on her ears. And like, she's clearly supposed to be Princess Leia, but also try harder. Uh, <laughs>
0: I know they were on a time constraint, but I do feel like she was clowning on Gilbert when she didn't even show up.
1: Right. Right. So they go into the party. Uh, Marshall immediately sees, like, his mom and Ted at the party. He's clearly upset. Amy's like, you know, step-parents are the only ones who actually care about kids because they're trying to make a good impression. What's going on at home, Amy? Right? I was like, dang. (laughs) Uh... Um, You know, Marshall's trying to, again you know, brush off his feelings. And Amy's Mm -hmm. like, you know, if it ever does start to bother him, like bother you, like you can come and talk to me about it. And I was like, so sweet. Okay. Yeah. But like uh, Gilbert
0: not having fun outside. Uh, He's thirsty and bored. Also, um, just mentioning for uh, Marshall did like wrap more wrapping around uh, Harold's face because his, we haven't talked about what he looks like. He's got this scary, purple, ghastly-looking mouth and eyes. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Terrifying-looking old teeth. So he does look scary, which is why people keep screaming when they see him. But they've wrapped him up a little bit better, so now you can barely see his eyes. Which, again, this is a Halloween carnival, so it's a little bit more, I think, incognito. Anyway, Gilbert, bored. He's like, I'm gonna go grab us some sodas. Terrible at his job. Bruce, meanwhile... Does not want to abandon his post at his haunted house, even if these like he's like, sorry, I'm making big bucks, two dollars a pop. I got money to make, I got a business to run, so this is how Bruce pays his bills, I guess. Yep. But Amy and Marshall are trying to convince him. Meanwhile, all by myself starts playing at the
1: dance. Who loves this song? yo, this is Harold's song. It's Harold's song. And then as it's playing, he turns and sees a woman dressed like Cleopatra, who's like in a Cleopatra costume. And he immediately goes inside.
0: <laughs> I also wrote, that's Harold's jam. <laughs> he, he So he bows to her and she's like, um yes you're my she's like could you not you're embarrassing me but also yes (laughs) she's like in this weird like flirty mood with him this cleopatra she's like and it's very clear she's confusing him for someone else but she's like have you gotten taller who cares dance with me and she loves the cologne which apparently they reference this cologne twice in the movie so i think it must be like some like trendy like early 90s cologne high carotid and she's like That stuff usually disgusts me, but on you, baby, it works. Meanwhile, Gilbert runs into the mummy she must be confusing him for. (laughs) The mummy is holding a beer and he's like, I don't care how old you are. You are not drinking around me, you big idiot. Okay. (laughs) Gilbert, (laughs) straight edge. (laughs) And the mummy's like, hey. And he's like, hey, hey, what? And then he elbows him. And I was like, He's like annoyed with the mummy for drinking. But also, would
1: you elbow Harold? That makes no sense. Yeah, absolutely no sense. And it hasn't clicked with him that like this mummy is talking. (laughs) No, no, it has not clicked at all, which I understand that's the gag. But
0: it's very weird because it makes they're like, oh, yeah, Gilbert would elbow Harold. No, he wouldn't. That's not who Gilbert is. It's out of character writing.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so then we finally, like, the mummy says Gilbert's name and he turns around and realizes that it's his principal. (laughs) Oh, no, I smacked my principal. Not good. (laughs) Yes. What we also should have said, too, is that before Gilbert goes looking for Harold. Oh, yes. He had come outside. Yeah, he had come outside with the soda, sees that Harold is gone, but he does see the bad guys in the ice cream factory, like, outfits. And realizes that he needs to go inside and, like, go quickly find Harold. So that's how this exchange happens. So, yeah, things are urgent. So he, like, doesn't even stick around to get in trouble because he has to find
0: Marshall and Fast. Marshall and Amy have explained the situation to Bruce, but he doesn't believe them. The henchmen are going through the dance and unmasking every (laughs) mummy. Cleopatra is coming on strong. She's like, you know, I don't even know your name. Who cares? We found each other. And Gilbert's like, all right, we got to go. He finds him. He's like, time to go now.
1: This exchange, wild. (laughs) Who are you, his son? No, ma'am. He's
0: celibate. I don't think so. Did you just say to this small child that the man you're dancing up on is not going to be celibate for long?
1: Like, the inferencing here is just too much for me. Too much. It is too much um and then a woman walks up
0: (laughs) and really chaos has started breaking loose long ago but it's really getting chaotic and she thinks the mummy is her husband is like why are you dancing with this woman but then the husband who is the principal walks up and is like hey i'm right here the weird thing is the cleopatra who is dancing with harold Seem to have also been dancing with the principal, based off this conversation. Yes. If that's your husband, then who is this? She's not like, oh, good, you have your mummy, I have my mummy. I've been dancing with. She was also trying to make something happen with the principal of her.
1: Yeah, like what is this inferring? Hmm. hmm. But though, but then he, <laughs> she does say because she the woman is like, who is this? And she's like, this is my husband. And she's like, you're married. Oh my goodness! Again. Chaotic exchange.
0: So, yeah, there's so much happening. But what seems to have been happening is the principal was flirting with Cleopatra, but the Cleopatra that ended up talking to Harold, the principal's wife is like, yo, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) The principal steps in. I think he should get in trouble. (laughs) We don't see it happen because... At the same time, the henchmen are, so the henchmen have spotted them. They are heading towards them. Gilbert is trying, is like, come on, we really, really got to go. And they're like, no, no, no. We need to figure out who this man I was dancing with is. I don't know why. There's literally no reason to. But they've decided to unwrap his face. And they do. They start screaming. Everyone starts screaming. It starts a stampede, which actually saves them from the henchmen. And they run straight to Bruce, Amy, and Marshall. Bruce sees the real mummy and now believes them. Yes. And they run into the haunted house and are chased. They're chased through the haunted house. They end up outside of it. And Harold is holding the door. And Amy's like, he looks like he's getting weaker. Girl, how do you know that?
1: (laughs) I mean, this was a mummy at the beginning of the movie who held up Gilbert with one hand. That's
0: true. That's true. (laughs) Sometimes Amy just says shit to say shit.
1: (laughs) But yeah, he's like, he's holding the door away from the henchmen. And Marshall's like, come on, we gotta go. But they're like, come on, Harold, like come. But Harold has to hold the door in order for them to escape. So they leave Harold. Marshall is like screaming, now.
0: Nah. It's, so, <laughs> it's so tragic. Yeah. They, drive, they drive away because they're like, Amy's like, if we don't leave, they'll get us too. And like Marshall is panicking. He's like, we gotta get him back. I'll do it myself if to, if I have to, but I can't let him down. And Bruce, Bruce is like, I have to help. Anything happens to you, I lose my best customer. You're my only customer.
1: Again. What? <laughs> Why is this middle school boy keeping this whole business afloat? So they try to come up with a plan to rescue Harold. Mm-hmm. Um, They end up driving to the old ice cream factory, Mm -hmm. What do they have? We have one match stick.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) What else is on that list of things? It was 87 cents,
0: car keys, three chiclets, and a match. (laughs) And they're like, oh, we got nothing.
1: (laughs) But they do open up Bruce's, like, the back of his car. Mm -hmm. And they do have, like, all these props. Like, all of these, like, ghoulish kind of Halloween props in the back of his car. So they decide, like, oh, we're going to use that to... Come up with something.
0: Yeah, the hearse is filled with horror movie stuff. And, uh, but then they're, so they're like, okay, we, we had enough to make a plan. But Gilbert's like, walks away when they're looking, they're trying to make a plan. He's like, I'm just going to wait here. Look, I like Harold and everything, but I can't go in there. I'm just too scared. And mm. this is the first time Marshall does the right thing, I would say. And he's like, it's okay, Gilbert. And he just like pats him on the shoulder and like closes the door. It's like, it's okay. Don't, like, don't worry about it. But Gilbert looks real torn up. And so we we now see what the plan is because they walk up. there's one one lookout and Amy approaches him with a fake bloody eye and is like, help, help. Um, and she's a distraction and Marshall and Bruce straight up hit him with the props. And I was like, sorry, your plan was to beat this man with like with zombie arms and shit. Um, and then Bruce body slams him. Bruce is a large man. This is shocking to see. <laughs> they tie him up with the fake intestines and then gag him with the fake eye. And I was like, sorry, what the fuck?
1: I, just, I know that we didn't come in with a plan, but I was also like, this plan sucks. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know, because the rest of the plan is, well, we're out of stuff, so I guess y'all will create a diversion and I'll go get Harold. Marshall will go get Harold. <laughs> and they're like, we'll think of something. It's not the best.
1: Not the best.
0: So... Kuba is in the middle. uh, He's like with his buyer and is like, the deal is off. And this guy's like, you can't do this to me. And he's like, things have changed. I can do anything I want. Amy has an idea. She sees the sprinklers. Maybe they do something with that. Marshall finds Harold chained up and Harold keeps trying to say stuff. And Marshall's like, I know I missed you too. I'm going to help you. Don't worry. I got it. And Harold keeps trying to say stuff. And then he realizes his nose itches, so Marshall scratches his little nose for him. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> but Bruce is supposed to climb up to the ceiling, hold the single match up to the sprinkler. The one match. The one match. A plan they think will work. He burns his hand, grabs onto the sprinklers, and is fist failing at every turn. The sprinklers do not turn on, and then they break and drop him
1: into the ice cream. So obviously, Bruce and Amy get caught. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to say, a huge crashing sound that literally everyone in the warehouse hears. So, mm-hmm. yes, captured.
0: That does allow Marshall some distraction. The only good thing they did is that it gives him enough, like, diversion to, like, use a crowbar to free Harold from the chains. So he's got Harold out. They're trying to escape. And they run, Harold and Marshall run directly into Mr. Kubat.
1: And Kubot, this is his time to share that the whole reason why he faked his death and is selling all this stuff is because the IRS figured out that he was doing tax evasion and he was about to go to jail.
0: And truly, just like he was always stealing artifacts, it seems like. And he was like able to procure. So I think the implication is that he's been stealing artifacts and shit or yes, like getting them yes, illegally. Yes. And his plan was to like wait until retirement to sell them off and become very, very rich. But because the IRS caught up with him, it was time to fake his own death rather than pay his taxes. Jesus <laughs> and Christ! Marshall was like, can't arrest a dead man. And Mr. Kubat says this, like, this is some ingenious plan. He's like, wow, I see you're already getting ahead of me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and Marshall's like well we have to get him back into the sarcophagus before it's too late and Mr. Kubot's like it already is too late and Marshall's like my friends will go to the police but this is an all is lost moment because it's revealed they already have Amy and Bruce and Amy's like mouthing I'm sorry it's tragic
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing for it all everybody's caught this is where a lot of things at this point just happen. <laughs> and I just have I just have dot, 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 lots of drama, dot, 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 what the hell, dot, <laughs> dot, dot, <laughs> lots of drama. I think you mean Gilbert drives the hearse into the factory. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So much happens. Okay, if I recall, somebody brings out a gun and they're like, you wouldn't shoot him, would you? <laughs> uh, so first Gilbert drives in. The
0: factory comes crumbling down onto the car. It all, it falls, it knocks out every henchman and it falls onto all the bad guys and the car with Gilbert in it. The kids are freaking out. Yes. They're like, oh shit, oh shit, Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilbert. And Gilbert's like, calm down, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but unfortunately, the only hench, the only bad guy not knocked out, Mr. Kubat, who's like very noble now. You can all go down together. And that is when he pulls out the gun and is pointing it at a child. Yes. He's And Marshall's like, he wouldn't. He's bluffing. What the... F- First of all, apparently he's not. <laughs> he is about to shoot a child. But that is when Harold steps in and uses, I would say, the last of his strength. He uses the chain to grab the gun. And then he, like, tosses Mr. Kubot straight up. Yes. It's like, this is now a normal strength mummy, not a super strength mummy. So this is a normal strength mummy using, like, his mom's strength. And, <laughs> like his normal mom adrenaline strength I would say because he loves his boy Marshall he tosses Kuba, and that's the last we see (laughs) y'all
1: chaos I'm telling you chaos
0: we never see the film's villain again that's the end of it we just a mummy throws him (laughs) um, help before we can move on with the plot Amy needs to say what she she needs to say her piece
1: What did she say?
0: She goes up to Marshall and she is emotional. When I saw that gun, I thought, if something ever happened to you, she's like, well, it didn't. So everything's okay, right? And you just see something dawn on Marshall. Like this little boy looks so excited. He's like, oh, like they don't acknowledge it. But this boy is like, oh, she likes me. Hey. (laughs) And I was like, they are in real true love. (laughs) (laughs) Forget forget, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, whatever. They look little. Harold's energy is way down. They're like, we got to get him in the sarcophagus. Again, Bruce's hearse has been crushed by a factory. So they're like, Bruce, you ever driven an ice cream truck?
1: (laughs) We make it to the museum. Mm -hmm.
0: With the other sarcophagus.
1: (laughs) Yes, with the other sarcophagus. And we make it just in time. (laughs) They open the female or the woman sarcophagus. She awakens, (laughs) and
0: yeah, Gilbert's like, "Oh no, here we go again."
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm like, "This is too much for me, too." Gilbert, like, (laughs) but he is reunited with his mummy love. Harold is. He gets back into his sarcophagus. (laughs) They like hold hands. (laughs) They they do hold
0: hands, and I was truly like, "Love is love
1: is love is love." (laughs) hands mm-hmm. uh, harold gives marshall like his amulet or like what he was wearing like the matching one it's
0: so to be clear this goodbye is so sweet first of all like harold's trying to have a romantic goodbye with his girl but he's also like marshall is like crying and hugging him and i I was tearing mm. up it's so sweet this boy loves Were his you mommy. really so, you know you know a decom gets me Oh, my Lord. There's something about how they're designed to tug per- exact only my heartstrings that really works.
1: I was about to say, Shahad.
0: <laughs> I'm also sleep deprived, depressed, and barely holding it together. <laughs> okay. But also, I cry at every decal. <laughs> I think there is a moment that is, like, perfectly designed for me specifically to tear up in every one of these. Anyway, they all say they're going to miss him. He gives Marshall his amulet. And I was like, okay, well, this is now a stolen artifact, my boy.
1: (laughs) I know, right. I'm like, this is supposed to be something between you and your woman mummy. And now you gave it to this kid? Okay. But she doesn't seem too hurt because they hold hands
0: again. And then they both lie down. Also, Harold wipes Marshall's little tears. Um, They shut the sarcophaguses and save the day. Yeah. Honestly, weirdly, an anticlimactic ending because, again, they threw the villain. (laughs) Just threw him right out the movie.
1: (laughs) Uh, The kids are like, we're going to miss him. And they're like, me too.
0: That's kind of it for the plot. Now it's just wrapping up with the mom. And we do see Marshall has grown. For some reason, he's throwing out all of his horror decor. He's like, I guess I've just outgrown it all. I didn't understand that. That didn't feel like something that made sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Is he just trying to ruin Bruce's life? (laughs) Oh, yeah! Now <laughs> Bruce has lost a customer. The real side story of this is that Bruce is about to go out of business now that Marshall is not buying. There, stuff really. This
0: is the tragic story of a business in dire straits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Marshall's mom sees him like throwing all the stuff away. He says that you know he's outgrown it. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom is like, "Hey, like we haven't got a chance to talk, and it's like, are you okay with like me and Ted being together?" And Marshall asks like do you love him? And mom says, yes. And Marshall's like, then you should marry him. (laughs) You shouldn't let anyone get in the way of your love. People who really love each other
0: should be together.
1: (laughs) Whoa! I thought that they were just casually dating. He escalated being like, you should marry him. Like, okay. He
0: he has been so mean to Ted and he was like, and now you're going to be in my life forever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, but can you tell Ted to lay up? He's too nice.
0: (laughs) What? But the the mom is like, yeah, what about what brought about this sudden change? And he's like, I guess a friend helped me see things differently. I don't really. It's very funny that this is the takeaway Marshall took from this adventure. But okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Gilbert comes from downstairs like Mm -hmm. he calls Marshall from downstairs and comes upstairs. And says that they're going to the movies and that he's invited Amy. And Marshall starts flipping out. (laughs) And Gilbert
0: is like, what's going on? We hang out with Amy all the time. He's like just being very, very, he's very confused. And Marshall's like, do these clothes match? Where's my hair gel? Where's my hair gel? This boy puts so much gel in his hair. Yes. So much gel. And Gilbert's like, sorry, have you experienced a head injury? This is the same. Like, this is Amy. What's going on? And then he opens the door and there's Amy. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. And Marshall's like, nice dress. And she's like, thanks. And Gilbert's like truly like losing his shit, observing all of this. And then Marshall goes, my aunt was buried in a dress just like it. (laughs) And then she like says some shit about his gel. And Gilbert's like, oh, good. For a minute, I thought something weird was going (laughs) on. um so they're they're off they're gonna go see wart again for the fourth time for the fourth time and he's like every th- it's i really love this conversation as they're kind of like pulling out on the end of the movie because everything marshall says is so funny he's like i learn something new about the character every time i watch it <laughs> and they're like what what are you learning he's a monster he eats people and he's like the last line of the movie is that is such a cultural stereotype <laughs> advocating for monster representation and monster rights all of a sudden. Yeah, so that's the film.
1: That's the end.
0: It was... I thought it was very funny, even though it was very, very weird.
1: <laughs> These jokes just seem so... ninety, like they were 90s, but also just like... Almost like, like lightly, like 80s,
0: 80s ni- early 90s teen. Like it didn't even feel like... 90s kid content like like i think i mentioned it felt like teen witch it all felt like very like yeah not necessarily racy but like a little like mature it's like again this is the first decom they have not yet we've already got only one parent but they have not yet hit their stride in terms of i think maybe age appropriateness
1: <laughs> Yeah, like I I think about this, then I think about iconic movies like Halloween Town. Halloween Town mm-hmm. does not have this. Maybe I need to go back and watch Halloween Town. I don't feel like Halloween Town has that those edgy jokes. Mm-hmm. I like, I could definitely rewatch Halloween Town too, because like
0: yeah, I, and I, I think the, I think the real comparison. Well, yes, the classics that we grew up on, but the real comparison would be the fact that they. So again, it's the twenty fifth anniversary of DComs, and then actually last year. A year early for the anniversary, they remade Under Wraps. Or two years mm. ago, they remade Under Wraps, and I'd love. We're gonna at some point watch that because I do think it'll be very interesting to see how the two compare. Twenty-five years of decoms essentially between them, and see this modern take.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm
0: curious. I'm very curious. I mean, we've watched a bunch of decoms for this podcast already, and I do feel this is the only one where I've been straight up shocked by jokes like that. The Split of Vain one. thought that was appropriate? Where is the oversight?
1: (laughs) I don't know. It's pretty crazy. It's a lot of fun. So should we be Adam? Yes. Let's, let's give our listeners context. (laughs) Our, our dear editor and best person in the world is currently right now having some, some throat issues right now. Mm -hmm. And so for Adam's Corner this week, we're going to give Adam a break. We're going to have him keep his golden voice safe. And we're going to go ahead and actually read the the reviews that Adam reads during Adam's Corner. Today, we are all Adam. <laughs>
0: all right. Hey, I'm Adam. Welcome to Adam's Corner. <laughs> I have a really beautiful voice. We've gotten reviews about Adam's voice and here we are, two people with not Adam's voice trying to live up to it.
1: This comes from Callum from three years ago. And he says, made me cry as a kid, still makes me cry now. Please don't let your children watch this. They still play it on Disney Channel. It's st- <laughs> It still plays in my brain still. <laughs> Enter new line. I beg, don't let your kids watch this. All of my nightmares consists of this hor- horrific 1997 movie. Oh
0: my god. I will acknowledge that as a kid, that mummy would have scared me.
1: Oh, I actually think the opening of the movie, like the fake movie that Marshall yeah. and Gilbert are watching, I thought that was horrific. It like- was so scary. It was
0: like there was a knife. You were worried the the monster was like attacking the family. It was super scary. I agree. Yeah. I yeah I was horrified (laughs) and this mummy's face is not fun to look at we really didn't go into it too much but it's so scary (laughs) yeah like the bad guy stuff isn't scary at all I think that first scene with the mummy would have terrified kids because you don't know the Mm -hmm. mummy's nice yet yeah and you learn it pretty fast yeah I agree I understand Callum uh review two so um the mummy and Ted the boy the mom's boyfriend are both played by uh Bill how do we say his last name He's the voice of Patrick, the star from SpongeBob. Bill uh, Fagerbachi, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yes, so this review says, Bill as a mummy is just one of those things that makes too much sense to hate on. I totally agree. Star of the show. There's a lot of like slapsticky humor. There's a, this, this movie was carried by his grunting in a way. It, it must have been tough. He did tremendous work. Adam did note it, a note before we were on. Uh, we started recording that every groan and
1: moan from the mummy sounded like Patrick the Star. <laughs> Very funny. This is the next review. They actually say words like divorce and celibacy. The characters have their own odd quirks and they play off each other quite well. It probably works best as a serious movie, as even the <laughs> jokes are less lighthearted than usual. I wholeheartedly agree. It's still by no means a masterpiece, as some of the scenes with the mummy are pretty hokey and can be predictable. I'm still quite impressed by a TV movie that did really good enough to be to be a theatrically released film. If you're looking for an underrated Disney film about Halloween, this is your movie. Did it come out in theaters? No, they're saying it felt good enough to be in release in theaters. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Listen, if you're
0: looking for an underrated Disney film about Halloween. Let's talk Phantom of the Megaplex. (laughs) That's our boy. (laughs) It probably works best as a serious movie. No, this is a children's comedy. What are you talking about? (laughs) I don't know what they're saying. You said you agreed.
1: (laughs) No, I agreed about... I agreed about when they said... The, wait, they say they actually say words like divorce and celibacy. Like the shock of that, I agree with. Yes, I agree. I agree. That's pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: I do agree that they 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 say the characters all have their odd quirks and play off each other well. I thought these were well written kids. They were kind of weird, but like all very funny, mm-hmm. well acted mm-hmm. roles. I thought mm-hmm. I thought some great little decom stars. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I'm ready for this one. Uh, I was in this movie. That's the title of this review from September 2005. This kid flick was shot in my hometown of Chico, California. When my mom heard that a Disney movie would be filming there, she immediately signed her and myself up as extras. Okay. I just have a small part at the school scene, but it was fun nonetheless. And we were both paid for our services. It was fun and I'd do it again. The movie turned out to be okay as far as kiddie Disney movies go. I've only seen it twice, if that, but it's fun to see parts of Chico on film, even though the original Robin Hood was shot around here as well. I hope Chico can still be considered a market, even for small and low-budget films. It's a beautiful town.
1: Are we going to take a field trip?
0: (laughs) One, I think we should take a field trip. Two, did they grow up to work for, like, the Department of Tourists? (laughs) It feels like they're recruiting us. (laughs) I want to go! Um, also the mom being the one to sign them up as extras is shocking. I do think I'm in the middle of Jeanette McCurdy's book about like having a stage mom, but I was like, but that actually sounds like a very reasonable dipping your toe into film. <laughs> it was
1: like, yeah, yeah. They're
0: filming in our town, let's be extras. That's fun.
1: Yeah. I I, I was worried,
0: but I didn't need to be.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna read the last review. <laughs> This one, it is titled, You Will Not Sleep After Watching This Kama, if you could even finish it. Sleep is in all caps. And this is a review from 2020. Parents beware. When I looked at this poster, I though, I think they meant to put thought, I thought, oh my god, this looks dumb and stupid and boring. I tried watching this and was literally shocked that this movie was aimed at kids. The movie has so much gore in it. The movie is an adult movie focused on teenagers and should not be a thing. Have your kids watch this and they'll come running to you at night saying they had nightmares and they will beg you to turn this off as the first scene will literally be enough to make them. And you hate this movie. (laughs) New line. I literally thought this would be dumb, but campy romp, but I was wrong by the way. I'm not a Karen. Oh. I am telling the truth. If your kids can handle that content, feel free to let them watch this. <laughs> I would just like to say, I agree it's probably
0: too scary for some kids, but I disagree that it's not a dumb, campy romp. It is absolutely a dumb, campy romp. <laughs> yes. That's exactly the description of the film. <laughs> yes. What, where would you say this movie has gore? It's that opening scene, man. (laughs) But that opening scene has one fake, gory opening scene. But, like, there's no
1: gore anywhere else in the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Part of the description as I was reading it made me realize, like, are we talking about the same movie? Like. (laughs) It's not an adult movie focused
0: on teenagers either. Yeah. Did you, like, put on, like, Scream?
1: (laughs) I know. I have a feel. This is what happened as I was reading it. One, I was like, I don't think that this comment maybe matches a movie, like maybe it's wrong. But two, I was thinking, you know what happened? She was probably hosting a, a Halloween slumber party for her oh kids and her kids' friends. <laughs> and she was like, oh, this looks like a you know a kiddie movie and like they'll be able to handle it. And the kids could not handle it. Mm-hmm. Parents were called, children were upset, this mom went through it. This is what I imagine what happened. I believe you and I think she is ashamed. She feels gadzooked.
0: Yeah. She feels hoodwinked. Yes. Yes. All of those things. She feels bamboozled. Yes. Yes. Absolutely agree. Also, that is the exact scenario under which I was forced to watch
1: Don't Look Under the Bed. Ah! And I have never recovered let it be known that last year last october i suggested don't look under the bed and jihad was like absolutely not it's too scary (laughs) we never talked about it again i
0: have not watched that film since this halloween party i was six it's like it was a family that had siblings all the same ages as us so like which means I was six, my brother was 11, and the boy hosting it was around 11. And then there were two little siblings where one was six and then one was nine. So the nine and 11 year olds were like, let's do this. And you know, the six and five year olds were like, what the fuck is going on
1: here?
0: (laughs) The movie's about boogie monsters. (laughs) It's so scary.
1: I'm so sorry for your challenge.
0: I'm truly here 23 years later having refused to watch this film. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's talk actors. Let's talk, well, anything about the movie or the plot that you feel we haven't touched before we get to actors.
1: I couldn't even tell you like what the true takeaway of this movie was <laughs> other than like what you said about like love is love is love and like maybe we should have <laughs> been given Ted a chance like but that's all I could
0: tell you like I don't that still feels like a stretch that feels like they kind of threw that message in they were like like clearly they wanted it to be the message because they like had Ted set up at the beginning but it feels like a stretch I honestly when they went to get Bruce at the Halloween carnival and the parent and the mom and Ted were there I was like Bruce is gonna be not be able to drive and they're gonna have to trust in Ted they're gonna have to take a chance with Ted I thought Ted was going to save the day. I thought Ted was going to have his moment. And we were going to like see something in that growth, in that arc. No, Bruce, Bruce drove. (laughs) I was here rewriting the film in my head.
1: (laughs) Yeah. At some point I did think that Ted was going to be like, like, especially when Amy suggests like, oh, maybe we could get Ted. Like I thought Ted was going to be part of the adventure, Mm -hmm. but no.
0: Which would have been hard because he was playing Harold the mummy.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. We haven't talked about that, but yes. Also, I don't know. Lesson learned. Pay your taxes. Like, I don't. (laughs) You don't want to have to fake your death. (laughs) Yeah. So you don't have to fake your death and like sell stolen artifacts on the down low. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I I,
0: very weird. Very like I feel the same way that they would leap to like conclusions to move the plot along. Like Amy would be like, oh, they're in love. And then we'd move on. I felt similarly about like the leap Marshall had to make to be like. You can't stop love <laughs> like it doesn't feel like he actually learned anything about like trusting ted he just has decided to let his mom be in love yes yes but whatever <laughs> this cast i would say did not have the celebrity adult that dcoms often have unless you count harold who is a celebrity to our generation
1: yes Who should we start? Should we start with Marshall? Should we start with Gilbert? Who do you want to start with? Start with Marshall, star of the show. Okay, so please forgive me if I'm saying his last name wrong. But Mario Yadidia, I'm a little shocked because his IMDb like essentially just stops at like 1998. And I and I'm shocked in a way because like like you said, Johan, like he definitely has that 90s look like he definitely is like typical 90s child actor. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that he was in Jack, which is a movie I have not seen, but I recognized the poster. Like, I immediately knew. Listen, I cried in that too. (laughs) okay. I've never seen that movie, but I've seen the poster. But I'm just so shocked because, like, I felt like he would have had a more thriving career because he's a good actor in this movie.
0: He is a good actor in this. Um, But yeah, he... He did one thing after this and it was a short. So he he really didn't do much at all. Under wraps was definitely his biggest role. Wait, Adam
1: has sent us a LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> oh, he has a LinkedIn.
1: Adam is reporting live. Oh, okay. So it looks like our man switched over and decided to get into politics or started to do more political things. It looks like he went to Columbia and that he's been a political coordinator. He's been worked at the San Francisco Youth Commission. He's worked at Unite Here as like a coordinator, a director, a national field director. Hey, he's thriving. Avery, you should reach out. Network. Okay, (laughs) I'm all about I'm all about nonprofit and I know and helping the children. I know y'all have similar interests. Mario, hit us up. Okay, cool. So, Mario, you're doing acting and you're doing advocacy for the youths. I'm about it. I I can dig it. Meanwhile, Adam Wiley, who played Gilbert, thriving career. Like, thriving. A busy man. <laughs> A very busy man, y'all. I'm just going to, like... His IMDb was so long. I just was going to hit some highlights for you.
0: Oh, I know one of the highlights.
1: Oh, you know what's what I'm about to say. So, first, he... There was a TV series for Dennis the Menace in which he played Dennis, which was cool. This is the one that got me. He was the voice actor for the young Prince Derek in Swan Princess.
0: This means our boy was there singing, This is not, this isn't my idea. This yeah, isn't my I'm idea. Son. I'm son.
1: <laughs> okay, also for context, if anyone wants <laughs> to know anything about me, um, Swan Princess is like my childhood. Uh, I used to spend summers with my grandmother in San Diego and she had a recording of the Swan Princess and I literally had to watch it every summer. I, I am a, I'm obsessed. I don't know it what else to say. It was
0: not my childhood, but I desperately wanted to be friends with Avery. So I became obsessed with it as a teenager. And then as a first secret Santa gift, she gave it to me. And now I love it also. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thank you. That's, you know, true love. It is. (laughs) What else has he done? He's been a voice actor on a lot of iconic shows. Hey Arnold, Pepper Ann, As Told by Ginger... American Dragon, Jake Long, Ben 10. He's yeah a very prolific voice actor, primarily, I would say. Yes. Um, but he also does
0: live action, I guess. Just yeah. mostly, mostly voice he acting.
1: Ha- he had a recurring role on Gilmore Girls at some point. Oh, my gosh. In 2002, he, he played Jack from in Into the Woods on Broadway. <laughs> That's huge. I did see that. I was like, OK. That's a yes. big role. And in fact, we, we've we talked about this Under Wraps 2 movie that came out last year. He came back <gasps> and played at the movie.
0: Wow, we really have to watch Under Wrapped and Under Wrapped
1: 2. Yeah. That's the
0: thing. So they remade it 20, 23 years later, and then they made a sequel. That's amazing. So yeah, Gil Gilbert Adam Wiley, thriving. Amy Clara Bryant, Clara Bryant, does not act anymore, is a lawyer but did do another decom before retirement. She's true in True Confessions. Which I have not seen. (laughs) I have seen it, but I'll be honest, I couldn't tell people apart as a kid. So I thought True Confessions starred Tawny from Even Stevens. Oh no. That's a completely different white teen girl. (laughs) Jahan. What? (laughs) You saw the
1: curls and just...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was like, well that's the boy from even Stevens that must be a girl from even Stevens I didn't think very hard about it I was nine okay I was old enough
1: <laughs> I too this is someone again that I was very shocked that like her acting career was so short because I was like oh she's very iconic girl of the 90s vibe like mm-hmm. I could have seen her in more and in fact I was trying to place her in movies I was like oh she reminds me of a girl in this movie and then i looked it up and i was like no i guess it isn't her
0: she did do some it looks like season seven she had a had a recurring role briefly on buffy oh okay uh, so she did a little bit of tv after her decom career ended but nothing nothing big yeah
1: all right uh who
0: else we got here
1: we talked about bill what is it fager baki Fog- yeah um oh here the pronunciation
0: on wikipedia is uh fager uh yeah bill okay. Fagerbaki. um famously the voice he's famous for many things i thought it was very funny that he was playing a father figure that's in quotes because marshall hated his ass to a boy named marshall because to me i saw him and i was like oh that's marshall's dad from uh how i met your mother hey That is fun. That is not his most famous role by any means. It's a very memorable role, but he's most famous, I'd say, for Patrick. And then also he um, was one of the leads on Coach, which is a sitcom I never watched. (laughs) A very famous sitcom.
1: Don't forget, this is a a return because he played Sparky in The Ultimate Christmas Present. I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, so this is the second time we have seen this man in a DCOM. And...
0: I think I said this probably about Sparky too. I love this man slapstick and his like willingness to like play dumb and also just like, I feel like he is a really, really great, like not, it's more than a character actor. It's like a slapstick actor, I guess. I don't know. He just like really, he does all of the physical humor. He does all of the grunting and the groaning. He's a star.
1: Yeah, he was definitely working double time because he played Ted and Harold. I hope they paid him double. He
0: is still a, both acting, live action, and doing a ton of voice acting. He's, yeah. he's doing well for himself. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Patrick has his own show now. Patrick Starr. Shocking. But yeah. Uh, so a busy, busy man. The mom. Have we seen her before, Avery? We have. Where is she from? <laughs> well, Corinne Borer. Bo- Borer? I don't know. We have not just seen her as the mom in Phantom of the Megaplex, our last Halloween pick. Hey! But also the uh, terrible mother in Veronica Mars. (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. Oh my goodness. She had a 19 year... Okay, she has acted consistently, but it's very funny because if you're looking at her filmography just in terms of movies, it goes from Phantom of the Megaplex in 2000 to something in 2019. I was like, "Oh, oh, she was gone for 19 years, but she did... She did Veronica Mars in that time. She did a lot of TV. And when I say a lot of TV, I mean she did Veronica
1: Mars (laughs) and a couple other things. Oh, she did two episodes of Criminal Minds. Did you see her? I just rewatched Criminal Minds. Like this, I just finished like a month or two ago. 2020, she had a two episode arc. Oh, okay. I don't remember. We'll have to revisit. Where's Bruce? Bruce looks familiar. Where is Bruce from?
0: He is also super busy as a voice actor. And I think, actually, I do want to talk about Mr. Kubat, too. But let's talk Bruce first. Um, Okay. Bruce is in everything in the smallest roles. He'll be like, yeah. So he was Santa, a Santa impersonator in Home Alone. Oh, wow. I know. That's big. He is like man in the hall in Groundhog Day. So, like, we've probably seen his face hundreds of times in our lives. Okay. But he uh, is a very busy voice actor. He was in Titan AE, a movie I love. I do love. He's Poe. Yeah, he has small roles all over the place. Uh, not not super consistently, like a couple a role every couple of years, but he's a busy guy.
1: Okay.
0: He was on an episode of Girl Meets World, so it seems like Disney still occasionally tosses him a role. I don't know. Okay. Um. But yes, nothing consistent, I would say. And then Ed Lauder. Uh, Ed La- uh, it's Ed Lauder. Played Mr. Kubat. He's since passed away, but he, Mm -hmm. he is like a very, he was a very busy character actor. And speaking about his like 40 year career, he was like, a lot of people say, I know you, but they don't know my name, but I've had a great run. And I thought that was just nice little quote from him. (laughs) But also Wikipedia, why did you have to do him like this? As a character actor, Lauder was known for his six two height and his balding looks what (laughs) why is that why is that there
1: you didn't have to do him like that (laughs) that's not okay
0: no uh, unreasonable but yeah he does have one of those faces where you're like i have seen this man in many things Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. i couldn't tell you and now i can under
1: all right
0: okay so that's it for cast go ahead
1: avery i was going to talk about the director Greg Beeman, so familiar man because he directed The Ultimate Christmas Present which we've talked about. Oh boy. Directed Brink. Directed Ring of an Endless Light. I haven't seen that one. And me neither. And then it's going to do executive, is an executive producer for a bunch of shows, including Smallville and fall, most recently Falling Skies. Like he's busy in the TV world.
0: He also directed Miracle in Lane 2 and Horse Sense. He did so many decoms. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, he's a busy man. Uh, dire- he's a very regular
1: TV director. He did the, mm-hmm. a lot of the Melrose Place reboot. CW stuff. CW and Disney Channel seems to be...
0: But yeah, very consistently working TV director, which seems like a hard thing to be consistently working in. That's cool. Although I do think your finest work was in the early 2000s. <laughs> I, I like how he probably thinks like he he made it. He's doing like dramatic television very successfully. And I'm like, but tell me more about when you were doing children's made for TV movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell us
0: about Rink. <laughs> okay. Screenwriter. Our boy Don Reimer he oh he's also since passed um but he wrote the santa claus 2 agent cody banks 2 two perfect sequels
1: (laughs) i do have vivid memories seeing the santa claus 2 it's a shock in theaters (laughs) with my dad and my brother and like loving it (laughs) i loved it but is that the one where is that the one with the like the fake santas this is the. They have to go find Mrs. Claus, and he's like, "I've got to get married." It's a wild, <laughs> one of the wildest
0: movies I've ever seen. Great work, great work done. Yes, Agent Cody Banks too, which I did not care for because it didn't have Hilary Duff. Uh, I don't think I saw it exactly because we support okay. our girl. Okay. <laughs> um. But yes, he, and then he, like, he wrote until his passing, he wrote Rio, Rio 2, and, like, Ferdinand. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he was, like, doing, like, surfs up. He was doing, like, theatrically released, like, very regularly writing theatrically released films, including animated movies. After Under Acts, it was only up from there. Yes, <laughs> a very wide range of films, but it does seem mostly kids writing. All right. <laughs> A stacked cast, as always. Um, Well, not it's reasonably stacked. I don't know if I'd say that. But um, other than, let's see, let's see. There was a lot of really fun music where I was like, how did they license this? And I guess the 90s were a different time. We talked about that a little bit. Anything else about this movie we wanted to call out?
1: I have nothing to say other than prepare your children for these jokes. If you want to, as a parent, if you don't feel like you want to explain what celibacy is, Maybe don't watch this for your kids.
0: Yeah, we know we have a lot of parents listening to our podcast to decide if <laughs> these movies are appropriate for their children. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but this does actually make me want to watch like Agent Cody Banks too and see like how he wrote other movies for kids. Because he did have a very, I think his writing is super, super funny but it was very weird. Like it was like, maybe he was like new to writing for kids and not getting a handle on like how you joke with yeah. children. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'd, Or even the Santa Claus too. I'd love to just see, because it does seem like he does have normally a bigger, he seems to write for a, a big screen normally. So it's interesting to see that writing on the small screen and be very strange. <laughs> um, but yeah, that said, I thought it was really funny Re- whether or not the jokes were appropriate. There were also some very funny, appropriate jokes. And I think all the kids did a great job delivering them. I think Gilbert was super funny. I think they also did a good job with the heartfelt stuff. Marshall teared up. Marshall was really like a sweet friend once he decided to be, I think, great kids, great acting, and very funny. Also, I saw bros today and there was some better acting in this. Whoa! Whoa! Billy Eichner, don't listen to our podcast. You know, I'm sorry.
1: Whoa, Shahad just threw that out there. I wasn't ready. I'm
0: sorry. I had some feelings. Listen, Rachel Vice, make sure Billy Eichner doesn't listen. (laughs) Because I also am really proud of him for releasing a queer love story on the big screen.
1: Okay, so it makes me sound like I don't need to see it and I can just watch Fire Island instead. Cool. <laughs> have you watched Fire Island? I have. I love Of course, this. we've talked about it. Anyway, yes. yeah, go watch Fire
0: Island. <laughs> All right. Sorry.
1: <laughs> let's, let's wrap this up. <laughs>
0: Before I alienate any more of our celebrity listeners. <laughs> Again, Rachel Weiss. Our email is from A to Z. No, it's not.
1: <laughs> no, it's not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Weiss, I'm so sorry. Our email is supernovagirls2049 at gmail.com. Everyone can send their crushes there. Rachel Weiss, that includes you. <laughs> um, if you're trying to find us on Twitter, we're at From to Xenon. I'm at Jahan413. Adam is at the podcast Adam across all platforms. Avery.
1: I'm at Camille says 36 <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> That's it for us. i do your taxes.
0: Yeah, pay your taxes. <laughs> pay your taxes. Adam is coming back on air to tell you to pay your taxes. That's it from us. <laughs>